morning, y'all. Apparently everybody got the message that Greg was going to be horrendously late today. It's like, sweet, i got to ask some extra time. I had this kind of false start sort of thing this morning. It's like, I thought, I thought you guys were all staying home today. No, I thought we were all going. Well, okay, well, let's get everybody around. And then, okay, no, I guess we're not going. Okay, just me then. Okay. So off we go. So I didn't grow up with siblings, but I have found having more than one child, it's interesting to watch how they will pick at each other and, you know, poke and prod, whether verbally or otherwise, and looking for a reaction. And uh, we have an adversary that would like to poke and prod at you and get a reaction out of you. And uh, and so giving him, just like just like siblings, giving him that reaction he's looking for is is playing is playing his game exactly how he wants you to play it. So so we're we're learning not to do that. Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, uh, we're grateful to be in this place this morning. Grateful to gather with the saints and uh, hear what you have to say to us. And God, today what we pray is that you would minister in this place as only you could. God, that you would bring your word to pass in each and every one of us. God, that you'd plant it in us, cause it to to grow and to increase. Not exactly as as you have uh, intended for it to do. Uh, God, encourage us, strengthen us, feed us on this word, Lord God, that, that we would go in the strength of it. You know, we... Just ask it and pray it in your name. Amen and amen. Uh, go ahead to Proverbs 3. I like Proverbs. It's sort of the uh, default place that I, I read with my children every, uh, when we... Uh, uh, have like a little brief devotion before bedtime. Usually just pick whatever the date is and read that proverb to them. And uh, they always hold their breath to see if I'm going to comment at length on it or if I'm going to just read it to them. So, you could, as you could imagine, they're, they're conflicted because it's typically right before bed, so they're hoping I'll comment on it so that uh, they can stay up later. And they're also hoping I won't comment on it so they can just, you know, get on with it and go to bed. So... And aren't we all just that conflicted inside sometimes? And we we have these conflicting desires inside. And it's funny how that happens. Uh, I love Proverbs, one of my absolute favorite books. Um, There's just so much there, so much wisdom there. And, and of course, he tells you right at the outset that the purpose of the book is wisdom and instruction and discretion and knowledge and and um, I remember being uh, 19 or so, and God just really kind of bringing that to my attention. It's like, hey, this is what this book is for, because he says to bring the young man knowledge and discretion. I thought, well, I'm young. I'm a man, sort of. That'd be really great. And um, so here I'm like picking up this wisdom from the book. Uh, and then uh, 
the funny thing about wisdom is the older you get, the more you can look back and realize, wow, I was really sorely lacking in wisdom. Uh, because there's a great deal of wisdom you can pick up from listening. And uh, there's a great deal of wisdom that you can you can hear and not really process or or receive it's like it's like well yeah, I thought I got that but then you find out that you don't really really get what was said until you experience it so uh, i believe we call that uh learning things the hard way a lot of times we just have to do that uh mike and i have most recently gone through some learning things the hard way kind of experiences and I can it could best be described as being pulled backwards through a uh, the knot hole by your nostrils and um uh and it is as uncomfortable as it sounds um but um there's a really uh, uh you you have a couple of options with what you can do or uh with those kinds of experiences because we all go through those kinds of experiences where we're dealing with a consequence of of a poor decision or uh or something like that because there's lots of things that aren't precisely wrong or sinful but they will um they will have consequences to them and uh that maybe maybe Really bad, maybe not so bad. I, I just I, I hear this little movie that my kids used to watch all the time, where uh, this guy is like, "Well, what would uh, what would happen if that was the case?" And this like geeky scientist girl is like, "Well, there'd be several ramifications." And he's like, "Good ramifications?" It's like ramifications does not mean good anything. <laughs> that is like that word very word implies bad, and so. Um, that's kind of, you know, we, we, we deal with those things. And so then, um, you know, we can uh, identify it as going through warfare or trial and or whatever. And I suppose that's all semantics. Sometimes um, we um, make, if we make a, a poor decision, um, we just kind of get stuck living with the consequences of it. And God, in his wisdom, knows that that's, Way better teacher than just about anything else you could think of. So in Proverbs three, um, it's tough not to start in one. The nice thing about Proverbs is it's a little easier to kind of cherry pick verses and passages out of it uh, without doing damage to them. But uh, all of these go together so well. But um, since it's already 10 after 10, I will start in 11. Uh, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Um, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son, in whom he delights. You know, so um, uh, I like this, this word despise. That's a good word. This is going to be one of those word things. We're going to talk about today, and how much we all like those. Um, uh, but some of the, the the definitions of this word, some of the things that that you could put here, um, without uh, um, doing any sort of damage to what he's saying here, 
my son, loathe not the chastening of the Lord. Don't be disgusted with the uh, correction, the chastening of the Lord. And I like both of those because obviously you don't want to loathe being corrected. That's bad. Um, nobody likes it. And, and the Bible is very plain about that, that correction is not pleasant but grievous. But I like the idea of being disgusted with it because um, if you're anything like me, you have this expectation for yourself that's up here. And when you fail to meet that expectation that you set for yourself, you feel disgusted. And um, so, you know, it's funny. Every job I have ever had, I excelled at without really trying. I just happened, it just got just blessed it, and I was really good at it, and and I didn't have to even really try. It just worked. And now I'm in this job that is more cerebral than anything else, and it's not easy, and it doesn't come to me as easily as everything else that I've ever done. And uh, so I find myself constantly in this state of wrestling with being disgusted with myself. <laughs> but, um, but to be disgusted with the chastening of the Lord, you know, would be a bad thing. Obviously, to be, you know, that, that this is, you know, that God has, has brought this, uh, this happenstance to me because of, of some poor decision or whatever. I mean, being disgusted with yourself is maybe not such a bad idea, at least for a while, within reason. But, uh, um, uh, actually, no, I'm, I'm sorry, that, uh, loathe or disgust was, is the word for weary, not despise. So, so despise not chasing the Lord, neither neither be disgusted with his correction. I mean, it's the same thing. Um, but uh, another interesting thing I found here between these two verses is that uh, the, these words for correction and correct are, are not the same word at all. If you have a keyword study Bible, you can see the numbers are way, way different. Um, so... So neither be weary of his correction. It's like a rebuke or a reproof. And nobody likes to be reproved. Nobody likes to be rebuked. And uh, the funny thing is, is uh, as the older we get, um, you know, kids have way less filters than than adults do, and they are more likely to rebuke you. Uh, and they are also more likely to uh, just shrug it off and move on. Um, and uh, adults, we are a little more antsy about re- uh, rebuking someone or reproving them and, unless we've really had our buttons pushed uh, past the ability to filter it effectively anymore. Uh, and we are also less likely to just shrug it off when we get reproved or rebuked um, because... As we get older, we think, "Hey, nobody talks to me like that. I'm an adult." It's like you know, I'm you know. Once we get away from uh, uh, childhood, I think we we begin to pick up this sense of autonomy that nobody tells me what to do. Uh, I know I did, um, and you know, I, I love Ron's stories about uh, uh, being uh, a smart aleck with his bosses um, because I was the same way. I just kept it to myself. And 
for the most part. And uh, I had all kinds of unpleasant things to say about my boss in my head. And Kevin, if you're listening, I'm sorry. But um, uh, because I had this sense of autonomy that's like nobody tells me what to do, and, and, uh, and I'm not pointing the finger at him, but he gave me a lot of autonomy in the job. He let me kind of do my own thing, do it, run it my way, because I didn't typically work with him all the time. Uh, a lot of times I was uh, in charge of my own deal that he had me doing, and so I, I did it my way, as, as Sinatra said. And um, um, so then to be rebuked because somebody that has, you know, the authority to tell you that you have not done this right is, is an unpleasant thing sometimes. Um, you know, and the great thing is, is that anybody bringing you some sort of rebuke that lines up with the Word of God, it's like, hey, this thing that you did, here's what the Word of God says about it. Everybody has that authority to call you on the carpet for something that you did. You know, and, and none of us like that. Um, I, I came in to work late on Friday morning, and Mike was doing these reports, and which is essentially like dissecting my job and how I set the guys up, and then how did they do with it. So it's like picking at everybody, essentially, in a good way, because that's how we learn. But um, he comes in, and he's like showing me this, hey, here's what I found. It's like, even if we did everything right, we're still not going to hit the number we're supposed to be hitting. So the first thing I thought of was, well, great. Something else that Greg screwed up. Awesome. You know, and this is like, you know, literally the moment I walked in the office. I haven't turned the coffee pot on yet. I haven't had breakfast. And, you know, it's like I'd, if I had a dog, I would have kicked it. And um, after a while, I realized as he was taking me through this, what he was finding, that it, he wasn't he wasn't even saying it was my fault. He's like, actually, here, look at this thing I figured out that none of us knew was here. And uh, um, and so uh, but until we got to that point, I kept having to tell myself, this is how I get better at my job. This is how we learn. This is this is important. And even afterwards, I still had to think, well, okay, so we've been doing it wrong this whole time, but this is this is God answering our prayers. I've been asking him to help me get better at this, help me to figure out what I'm doing wrong and, and all that kind of stuff. So we all tell God that we want to um, walk uprightly before him and be pleasing to him and doing his will and stuff. Uh, and then when he uh, when he tweaks something that we are doing, and tells us to do this or, or don't do this, then we get discouraged, like, oh, man, you know, and and that's that's normal because, of course, we all want to please God. But God wants us to understand that when He's giving you instructions, it's not because He's picking at you or finding fault with you. He's He's coaching you. He's helping you to get better at what you do. And uh, so, so He says uh, to not be Weary of his correction. Don't don't loathe his rebuke. So um, you know, the elsewhere in, in uh, the Bible, it talks about all kinds of things about uh, all throughout this book, especially uh, it talks about a wise man hearing reproof and that uh, you know accepting the things that God has to say um, is great. One of my favorite uh, proverbs is 
uh, or I think it's Proverbs, might be in the Psalms, where he says that there is no wisdom nor counsel nor understanding against the Lord. So it's like God is always right. And isn't that comforting? Because no matter what you might think, no matter what you might feel, God is always right. It's like being married. <laughs> Usually one of you is always right. Maybe not, but um, Cynthia seems to think that I'm always right, but uh, she, she's not right. But anyway, but, but God, however, is always right. And so um, that may not be such a comfort if you're really not happy with him uh, pointing out something that you should do differently. It's like, well, how, what, but, 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 and then you know he's right. It's like, you know, and so none of us like to swallow our pride and admit that we're wrong, but isn't it easier with him than it is with somebody with skin on? Way less embarrassing with God because, you know, he's like, yeah, I already knew you were wrong. That's okay. No problem. Let's move on. So, so that's this first word correction. It's like rebuke or reproof. Then it says, whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son, whom he delights. And this word correct is like, it's, and it's similar, very similar. Um, more specifically, it's to clarify someone's moral standing. So to judge or convict or to reprove. So there's definitely that kind of overlap there with this other word correction. There's, Certainly, uh, uh, certainly no problem with both of these words being translated as correction. Um, I just I like that sense of you know you know Fred was reading out of the the Amplified Bible on Wednesday night and it's really interesting to uh, hear it a different way sometimes or to hear something uh, like well here's another way to say that. Um, uh, you know, having um, cut my teeth on the King James, you know, I mean, I, I like what Mark Rutland says that, uh, you know, if you, uh, um, you know, if you if you don't have a King James, don't worry, they'll give you one when you get to heaven. But you know, why stand in that embarrassing line? You might as well just have one now. Um, you can have one of those other communist translations if you want, but, um, uh, but honestly. Um, there is something about finding something accurate, like the Youngs or the Darby. Uh, the ESV is actually not bad in a lot of places. And um, hearing something said slightly different, because when you when you if you know the King James super 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 well, and and you're used to hearing it, sometimes your your own mental narrative sort of shuts off while you're reading it because you've read it like a hundred times. And so sometimes just to read it worded differently uh, can really kind of grab your attention. And so that's one thing I like about studying the words that they mean because it gives you a different sense of what the passage is saying, especially because, as I've pointed out before, um, English has undergone so much change in the last 400 years that some of the things that they said in the King James, it's like what they were trying to say is totally different than our understanding of the word now. Um, so, so clarifying moral standing then. For whom the Lord loves, He will clarify for you exactly where you're at. Um, and that's a good thing. There's, there's nothing like 
being not quite being sure if you're in the right place, not quite sure if you're doing the right thing. Um, I'm one of those people that I don't like to do new things. I don't like to go someplace that I've never been before unless I go with somebody that's been there before. So you're getting to see, you know, my kind of my Rain Man tendencies here. But, um, you know, like uh, Friday, um, Cynthia was supposed to go pick up our, our groceries at Walmart with a little online ordering pickup thing. And uh, she was not really in any shape to get over there. And so I was like, well, I can go get them. It's no problem. Like, what do I do? And then, you know, of course, it's really simple. If you've ever done it, it's brain dead simple. But, um, you know, having uh, having somebody kind of tell you, well, here's what you do, makes a big difference. And so that was one of the things that Mike and I discovered uh, hiring a business coach. We were like, we just need somebody to tell us what to do because I don't know what to do. We're, we're un- un- uneducated tradesmen. And that's not a bad thing. It's just... We we need we have transitioned to a place where we need to be um, business owners, not tradesmen, not craftsmen. So we need somebody to tell us what to do, and that's what we found. So so we 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 come to Christ and we we want to serve Him and we want to do the things that He wants us to do. We kind of need Him to sort of spell it out for us, draw us a map, and so He did. So he gives us his word where his expectation is is there in black and white, but he he leads us with the ministry, and he puts people in our life that um, uh, that uh, sometimes iron sharpens iron, and we we go away from a talk with somebody like, ouch that hurt, but it, that was totally right, and uh, um, so having that sense of judgment. You know, in our society, like, I mean, I, I grew up among the heathen, as a heathen, and um, even then, it, you know, there's like this, uh, back in the, you know, back in the 80s when we were, you know, wearing stonewashed jeans to all the tribal uh, functions, um, you know, there was, uh, uh, in, our, in our big poofy hair and, you know, uh, hot pink stuff, um, even then, there was this sense of like, you can't judge me. Like, don't judge. That's not cool. Only, you know, only lame people judge. That's bad. And, uh, and of course, that's exactly what's wrong with America. That's exactly what's wrong with the church. She, the church was full of judgment. And, um, and back when there was a moral fiber to this nation, people actually that, that weren't Christians still, um, you know, behaved themselves in public at least, and um, you know things have have gone a long way downhill from there. But uh, so so judgment is a good thing, you know. And there's a there's a vast difference between judgment and condemnation. That, that's a whole another message that we don't really have time for today. Um, uh, suffice it to say that judgment is is about this sense of instruction correction and course correction getting you go on the right path whereas condemnation is uh, is either it um, you know because God will condemn sin in your life it's like condemnation is like there's no fixing this thing this thing has to go or condemnation can be something that the enemy will bring against you about pretty much everything like you could wake up with a dream 
that uh, is probably just from the enemy and then wake up with this idea of I'm doomed. It's like I'm not going to I'm not going to make it. God's telling me that I'm I'm a, a terrible, horrible person that then and, and uh um uh and of course that's not God. And so, you know, that's you know, kind of my my brief brief explanation of of the difference, but um so it says, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And that that is something I think uh, we all know that. We all could, can quote it without really thinking. But sometimes, you know, just like I said, how we, we get so familiar with the King James that it doesn't really soak in when we're reading it. We, uh, it's like we, we, we can quote that, and but it's like we don't really think about what it's really saying. It's like, so if God... Uh, tells me, hey, um, you kind of messed that up, <laughs> or let's let's do this differently next time. Here's here's what you could do differently to do this right. Um, uh, that's proof that he loves you, and um, you know, and that that to me is a great comfort in the midst of feeling the the disgust and disappointment with yourself for having needed the correction in the first place. But the other thing that I think is important to understand about correction is it, as I said before, it's not, it may not necessarily be something that's precisely some sin that you've committed and now God is bringing punishment on you. A lot of times that's how we think of correction, is this in these terms of uh, like the spiritual equivalent of, of getting a whooping. Um, but correction is instruction. And so, um, you know, we'll have somebody at work mess something up. And it's like, so, hey, that didn't turn out. How did, how did you do that? Or, okay, well, what made you, why did you do it that way? Okay, well, it clearly didn't work, right? Right. Okay, so what can we do differently? Okay, well, here's my suggestion. Let's do this. And so, um, you know, there, there's no sense of doom with that, um, and nobody's happy about having that conversation either. But in in the midst of that, there's this sense of uh, I'm we're we're just giving instructions here. I'm telling you, here's how you do this better. And so that's what Mike and I found that we needed um, at work was somebody to tell us, well, here's how you do that, and we. I don't know that I would recommend this so much, but we actually paid him to hold us accountable to doing what he told us to do uh, by him making us very uncomfortable if we didn't, and he was really good at it. Um, and so and that's the great thing about being part of the church. Like you come here and um, and and guess what? You know, God will correct you about things. Uh, and, and he may use the ministry to do it. Most likely he will, especially at first. And um, and so he's doing his job. But it's like a family, you know. And I remember being a kid and you know having those um, those kind of overly emotional fly off the handle kind of moments where I'd have some confrontation with my my parents about something. And you know, you know, storm off to my room to weep and and be thinking it's like 
everybody hates me. I'm just going to go eat some worms, you know, and and uh, thinking, you know, it's like I should just run away and you know start a new life in Abu Dhabi or something. And it's like, well, actually, that's a bit of an overreaction, you think. But you can't necessarily, you don't get to quit your family, you know. You're just kind of, you're stuck with them. I mean, you, I suppose you can quit talking to them and move away, but when you're a kid, you're kind of stuck. So, um, uh, and so we do that with, with, with God. We do that with the ministry sometimes. It's like, I can't believe he would tell me no or tell me that I didn't do that right. It's like, how dare he? It's like, I pay my tithes just like everybody else. It's like, I don't pay you to talk to me like that. It's like, actually you do, but... Um, that's kind of why you're here. That's what I kept reminding myself when I was with uh, with Brandon. I was like, I I paid him to talk to me like that. I I'm paying him to make me super upset and uncomfortable, and and I'm I am now questioning the uh, the wisdom of that decision. But uh, it it did turn out to work well for us eventually. Um, but I had to follow the instruction, didn't I? I had to like actually, okay, Brandon. So, case in point, he, uh, I had been really working with my boys. Well, I'll try to wrap this up. Thirty ten thirty. Really been working with my boys on like getting away from like all like the uh, uh, the potty humor that little boys find so amusing. And um, he he wanted me to write a letter on a roll of toilet paper, all in one big line so that, it, that they have to unroll it to read it and then mail it to these these um, commercial prospects who were completely, utterly ignoring me. And I fought him, and I fought him, and I fought him. And he's like, oh, just suck it up and do it. You know, he's like, it's not that big a deal. And so finally, I did. I still have a picture in Google Drive of these little boxes with the, the rolls of toilet paper in it. And I was like, that I sent to him. I, and I was like, hey, I just want to let you know I got off my high horse and wrote those letters. And they, they went out in the mail this morning. And uh will be darned if it didn't work. So, um, uh, but so, you know, God, he does that kind of stuff in our life. He's like, hey, so this thing is not working so well for you, is it? Well, no. Okay, well, here's how we do it differently then. And and that's the great thing is like God never picks at you to pick at you. He never finds fault with something that you did or didn't do because he's wanting to pick at you and make you upset. Uh, God is is actually wanting you to succeed. And so that place of success comes with hearing what he has to say and making application to it. And so... Um, you know, I'm just going to read that passage again and uh, a few verses after it. Um, I was actually going to read a whole other, uh, in a whole other chapter somewhere else, but I think we are kind of beyond that at this point. Um, so he says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. Still talking about wisdom. And all the things that you can desire are not to be compared to her. Length of days is in her right hand 
and her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is the tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retains her. So it sounds like wisdom is a great thing to have. And uh, um, and this, you know, so he says that happy is the man that finds wisdom, and the man that gets understanding, and then he lays it all out there like that. It's like here's here's the benefits of receiving God's correction, receiving God's instruction. And so, you know, I, I can't stress enough that, you know, correction is not always a punishment for a sin. It's not always just getting a whooping. Sometimes it is, uh, in fact, you know, you, you, you typically got to ignore all of God's previous instructions and corrections to get to that point. Um, you know, the, the great thing about your kids getting older is you can reason with them and talk to them um, more, and you can uh, spend more time uh, reasoning out, well, here's why you don't do that, and make them understand. This is, this is why I'm teaching you what I'm teaching you. And so we, we find that same thing with God, that as, as we go along, um, he's able to teach us more about, well, here's why you don't do that. Here's why that's destructive. And that didn't work well, and here's why. And so um, sometimes that correction or that instruction that we receive comes in the form of just the natural consequences of whatever decision it was that we made or whatever thing it was that we did. Um, like I said, you know, we've been sort of going through this through the knot hole backwards kind of thing, and I, I've already got the message. I've already got the lesson. I totally, I think I've gotten what God is saying entirely and, and internalized it and taken it in. I'm ready to move forward with that. But it doesn't make the consequences of those bad decisions go away. So, um, sometimes uh, those those consequences stick with us for a really long time, and we don't want to be weary of them. We don't want to be um, resentful of of what God brings us for instruction, because um, it's 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 a mercy, it's a kindness, it's a love. It, it's designed to keep you going the right way and to to cause you to be successful in the end, and being exercised by that instruction, uh, by that the that corrective stuff, is, is how you get all this stuff that we read about how awesome wisdom is and all the benefits that it has for you. Uh, so one last thought, and I'll, I'll close with this: um, when we um, when I'm, I'm selling a job to somebody, I, I kind of walk them through our process, and one of the things I tell them is the guys are going to do a walkthrough on their own with a checklist we provide for them, and they're going to sign off that this is all complete and meets our standards before they do a walkthrough with you. During the walkthrough, if anything you find, they're going to fix it. They're going to make some notes. Somebody's going to fix it right away, and then they're going to ask you to approve the corrective actions that they've taken. And then once you do, they'll ask you to sign off, and, and they'll collect payment from you. So there's this thing about those corrective actions. It's like they're going to have to do something to correct the thing that got wrong. And a lot of times we, we end up in those places where it's like, okay, so this didn't turn out right, so we're going to have to fix it. And sometimes that's a great part of God's correction is, hey, how about we fix that? How about we do it differently next time? And, uh, and, here's, and there's nothing like fixing something that you messed up to really stick with you that I'm not going to do that again. 
I learned a lot that way when I first started painting uh, because, uh, uh, you know, for me, I always, if, if I'm teaching somebody to do something and they messed it up, I just kind of want to fix it because I know how to fix it and it's just easier. But uh, Kevin was really good about telling me, here's how you fix it. And, and he might show me how to get started, but then he would make me fix it. And it was super effective at keeping me from doing that again because I don't want to do that again. I, I don't want to have to waste all that time because I wasn't making money by the hour. It's like the longer I'm there, the less money I'm making. So it's like I want to do it right the first time. And so we want to do things right the first time. You're not always going to. Um, but the uh, the thing that God does is he He brings this this uh, correction to us, this instruction to us. Here's, here's how you do that differently. It's not a scary thing. It's a really good thing. And uh, it is one of God's biggest tools for building success in your life and, and keeping you from creating problems for yourself. So, Jesus, we just thank you for uh, all that you have done. We thank you that uh, for your uh, watchfulness over us. God, uh, that you, you haven't just uh, left us with instructions and, and, and uh, gone off to the, the, the ivory tower. God, you have, um, have made a commitment to walk with us every step of the way. God, if, if we'll follow you. God, and you, you work with us and you, and you instruct us. And, you, and if we're not getting it, God, you, you, you bring that, that sense of correction and that instruction of here's how we do this differently. God, and, and I just I pray God, that you would put in each one of us that sense of, of meekness that is totally fine with whatever it is that you would do, God, to not, not find ourselves upset or, or disgusted with, with correction, uh, to not be resentful of instruction, God. God, because as we, as we said, God, you're always right. God, and, and we're glad of that. And God, we just we pray that today in this place that you would do what only you could do. And that your spirit would uh, refresh us, would, would feed us with your word. God, that you would uh, just pour out on every thirsty soul. God, and every, every uh, person who couldn't be here this morning. God, I pray that you would touch them where they're at. That you'd encourage them. And that you would do in us and through us and to us exactly what you want to do. God, we just are asking you to have preeminence in this place. God, to be worshipped and exalted. God, we ask it in your righteousness. Amen. Amen.